Today's podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Holdfast. Holdfast Gear specializes in handcrafted camera straps made right here in the United States. Their founder, Matt, believes an image can tell a story and a powerful story can make history. His hope is that Holdfast equips fellow image capturers to better tell those stories. They make products that not only last a lifetime, but can be passed down from generation to generation. For a camera strap with equal form and function, check out holdfastgear.com. Welcome to another episode of the AOV Podcast, everyone. Today's guest is Sal Dalia. He's a content creator from Italy, currently residing in the Empire State at NYC. Sal's a part of the Sony Alpha Collective. He's also the creator of the Adorama Through the Lens series. Sal, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit more background about yourself. <laughs> well, uh, I've been in New York for now eight years. Yeah, born and raised in Italy. I grew up in Milan the fashion capital of Europe. There's not much, honestly, over there. It's like, it's a very like business type of city. But I mean, on a cultural level, there is a lot going on, a lot of museums, and I kind of like grew up in the arts. In Italy, the high school system is different. You got to kind of like pick what kind of like, you know, what you like in life. If it's more about like, you know, journalism or arts or, you know, other things. So I pick up the high school of arts. Uh, that's where I got my major, and from there I decided that you know I dropped my brush, and and, and I decided to actually go for a camera, uh, and that's where I actually went to college for cinema and TV. So and after college, my career started. So it's all you know it's been like commercials at the beginning, and then once I moved to the states after like a few gigs for Food Network and other stuff like that. YouTube exploded basically, like the original content. At the beginning, it was kind of like this, you know, <laughs> like second gig that you have on the side to do these little like YouTube videos, and and now it's like the thing. <laughs> now, if you're a content creator, it means that you're working with budget. It means that you're like traveling. It means you're doing like you know, fun stuff, and you're producing a lot. While you know, my background was more like make a movies so let's work six months on this thing <laughs> let's lose a lot of weight on it and you know and stress and all that kind of stuff so yeah it's been a long journey also professionally for sure that's awesome man great background so being from milan would you consider yourself stylish fashionable <laughs> <laughs> you know it's a weird thing because i talked with some friends about it and uh, in milan everybody's well-dressed that's the thing so even when you are you know you're trying to like not spend too much money on on clothes or stuff like that people around on the streets are still decently dressed you know they know how to match colors you know uh, like they don't like to you know to be like you know dirty or stuff that kind of stuff so it, it's it's kind of like for food it's more about a cultural thing then actually be stylish or look for, you know, something that nobody has or being different. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So it's more of a cultural thing. You just grew up looking at your grandma and your grandpa and they're all always like, you know, dressed up like nicely with their jacket and matching their colors, you know. Uh, so it's more like a cultural thing. So do you still operate that way? I'm just curious. So when I meet you in person, like I need to understand, like, do I need to dress <laughs> up a little bit? Do I need to dress down? <laughs> No, no, no. Like, honestly, like most of the day I'm like t-shirts. On <laughs> so, but, you know, I, I, I do like to like, you know, dress up occasionally, you know, when the, the situation requires yeah, yeah, it. Absolutely. 
but I, I like to be comfortable, right. like for sure. You know, especially as a filmmaker, you want to be comfortable even more than stuff. That is a fact. <laughs> so you've been in New York, so it sounds like about eight years. You work for Adorama, right? Have you worked yep. there the entire time? No, I've been with Adorama for almost five years nice. now. I even I, I, I rocked my Adorama hat for you today. Just, just for <laughs> you, bro. I want nice. to put that on. <laughs> That's exciting. Okay, so here we are. You were going to school for art. Then you picked up a camera and switched. How did you fall in love with filmmaking? Like, what was that catalyst? I think it happened in the last year of high school. So I was doing mostly, you know, paintings and sculpture uh, a little bit of architecture that kind of stuff and and at that point like honestly i was in love with the arts i was studying you know music like piano i was dancing at that point like many pounds ago <laughs> what kind uh, of i dancing? was dancing and i was in uh, i was doing jazz and hip-hop at that time yeah I, I was just in love with the arts you know and and i was like i mean what i'm gonna do in college i don't know like i want to do everything and and at that point like you know i fell in love with someone like you know my favorite director at that time and i was kind of like you know what like this art you can do all like with video you can do you can still you know be in contact with like dance we can still be in contact with music you can you know just mesh all together so that's when i say okay i think this is my <laughs> my call right here <laughs> you found the perfect medium yeah absolutely so most content creators I know did not go to school for filmmaking or photography, but you did go to school for filmmaking. So with that said, do you think going to school for filmmaking was valuable for you? And like, would you, if you had to give advice to say your son, would you tell him to just pick up a camera and start filming and practicing and learning? Or you tell him to go to film school? Well, you just use the keywords, pick up a camera and start shooting. I got lucky that my college, it's called like a professional college in Italy. Uh, that means that it's not like a university type of thing. So we didn't, you know, waste, you know, uh, too much time in like, you know, the theory of color and the eye and the science behind it, which is very interesting and useful, but you can learn that stuff on your own, honestly, uh, and with time. What you need to do is like learn the real like the grind <laughs> of the business. And I was lucky that for three years, you know, since the beginning was, you know, a little bit of theory, of course, at the beginning, the first year, but then it was all about like, yeah, you know, here the camera, just go out and shoot and start shooting, do documentaries, commercials, TV interviews, like learn everything, learn how to do everything, learn how to, you know, use the rhythm, how to use the editing. You got to learn how to record audio, you know, all this stuff, you know, you can learn it on your own, uh, but it's going to be slower, the process. So that's when a good school, I think, can actually give you all these tools in a short amount of time. And, and once you get out from there, you're ready. Like you're ready. You can do anything. You can do any type of production, basically. And, and you know what's up. Like, you know, even when you're talking to a professional, you know the language, you know what you're talking about. So I know that some like university and colleges are not like that. So you study for three, you know, years, four years, whatever it is, you get out and you can barely shoot a short movie, basically, because you study a lot on the books and and then you know a little about, you know, the cameras and, you know, the technology that is behind and all that kind of stuff. I think I got lucky with my college because it was very hands on and and the professor were actually, you know, they were all professional, you know, from the field. 
So they were all about like, you know, this is not going to be Hollywood. You're not going to write your speech for the Oscar. This is, you know, this is like we're talking about, you know, losing money, losing, you know, pounds and, you know, and getting crazy and stress. And, you know, uh, there's a lot going on involved in this business. <laughs> uh, so forget about all that. Forget about Hollywood. You know, we were talking also we we're in Italy. So like <laughs> it's nothing more far from that. This is a, a business. So you got to learn, you know. Uh, what you want to tell, what story you want to tell, and what's the best way to tell it, basically. So that's the best way to teach, I think. At the same time, I know many people that didn't go to school and they are amazing in what they do. So, they, you know, it's the passion that drives you. If the passion drives you enough, you can, you know, read books, watch movies, watch like, you know, backstage on uh, on YouTube and, and learn a lot from it, honestly. Absolutely. No, I really appreciate that. That was a really in-depth answer. You've created, you've been doing original content since when? Like, what was your first original series that you created? Or a pilot, maybe it wasn't a whole series. <laughs> well, I got lucky because without even knowing it, I was right there at the beginning of what original content was, basically. Uh, so I was working for a YouTube channel even before YouTube got bought by Google. So when YouTube was just like, you know, ads, and they were making money off the ads. I was working for this like um, dance channel. It's kind of like now it's like the main uh, dance YouTube channel called Dance On. Um, so I was, you know, shooting all these like, you know, mega crews and all these like, you know, dancers on the streets and all that kind of stuff and doing like music video basically. And it was a lot of fun. And at the beginning, it was kind of like, you know, that type of gig that you do for extra money that is not big. We were like four people in the entire company basically. And then Google said, you know, saw the potential in YouTube and they started putting money and they started putting money for original content, for original show that were only on YouTube and not anywhere else. So that's where I realized from the beginning, like, this is the future right here. <laughs> this is how, like, you know, brands are going to actually promote themselves because, you know, it's easy to access, it's free. People can, in, you know, engage and have a community right away. This is totally different from like TV show broadcast. Uh, so that's where I say, okay, you know what? I think this is actually where <laughs> my future is, you know, and less in, you know, commercials and uh, broadcast and other things that I used to do before. And, and from that point on, basically now I'm a full-time, you know, uh, original content producer. I only work basically for YouTube and social media. That's awesome. And that's so cool because that's so many people's dream. Uh, in our community, they would love nothing more than to to be able to follow through and, and, and be able to make a full-time living doing something that they're passionate about. How many shows have you created and, and what shows are you the man behind? <laughs> Top well, photographer uh, is one honestly, of them, right? I got a... Yeah, honestly, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I should go to my drive <laughs> and see how many <laughs> I did at this point. But for Adorama, yes, you know, Top Photographer is definitely one of those. I was one of the producers and one of the, the camera operators in it what happened with that show i i thought top photographer <laughs> i thought top photographer was so rad it was exciting was, it was we had fun. it was new yeah yeah we had definitely fun uh, making it and i think the product was very good very good quality out of it uh you know the only thing is that it was very expensive <laughs> it was a very expensive show you know we did it mostly for like you know like brand awareness you know, to showcase that, you know, as Adorama TV and as Adorama, we were literally like, you know, investing into regional content and to the community and doing something new. 
and that was kind of like you know the flagship you know show in a way to showcase how much we were doing on original content um but then you know we actually started the pre-production of the second season but you know you want to always go bigger right <laughs> you don't want to go you know back you want always gonna go bigger and the show was getting you know very very expensive at that point <laughs> gotcha that's a because we realized we realized that we don't make money off of it. Like, right. you know, Adorama TV doesn't have any ads. So when you watch our content, you don't get any ads or stuff like that. So it's all, you know, free and we don't get any money off of it. It's all for like brand awareness for us. Yeah, dude, it was amazing. I mean, that's something, I mean, it's something I could have imagined on Netflix, you know, like pulling up Netflix and just being like, oh, top photographer, like episode nine, here we go. Uh, <laughs> But who knows? Who knows what the future holds, right? Yeah. Well, we have we have something new coming up that it's on that, you know, vibe that it could be on Netflix, and I'm very proud of it. And it's gonna, you know, go live very soon in a couple of weeks, actually. Dude, that's <laughs> exciting. Can you share a little bit more about it? Tell what can you tell us? Uh, I'm, I think, I'm gonna I dig. think I can. I think I okay. can. Yeah, I think I can because I mean we're gonna start the bus pretty soon, so why not? Let's break um, it right here, baby. So have you ever seen? Yes. Have you ever seen the Hollywood Reporter Roundtable? Uh, no. I don't. On YouTube. I so, yeah, Hollywood Reporter created this show many years ago, um, which now, I mean, they did like, I don't know, many episodes, like so many on YouTube. And, and they had like, you know, actors, directors, director of photography uh, talking about the industry, about their, you know, um, roles in some of their, you know, movies and stuff like that. And what I love about the show is it's peers talking to each other. So it's not a panel. It's not like a one-on-one -on -one interview in front of the camera. It's peers talking about, you know, um, their stories and, uh, you know, their craft. And I always loved that show. And I realized, like, it doesn't exist for photographers. Like, nobody ever did it for photographers. So we created uh, the Photographer's Roundtable, which is going to go live uh, in October. That is exciting. Is that the behind the scenes that I saw on your page? I think you were with like uh, Chris Bucard and like a few other guys when you guys were out in NYC in that really big, well lit up room. Really nice natural light, big Correct. windows. Yes. Oh. Correct. So we shot we shot two episodes that day. We shot the first episode is gonna be landscape. And the second episode is gonna be street photography. And we, yeah, we flew in some, I think, are the best photographers, you know, today in the U.S. And, I mean, the roundtable came out, I think, amazing. I'm really proud of this of this show because not only, like, the, you know, the, uh, the life stories that they have, but even talking about the craft and about the industry today, so many, like, good tips from them. Uh, it's great. It's a, a real, I'm really happy. I'm excited. I can't wait for that to drop in October. We'll obviously be sharing that and, and pushing that out. So that's exciting. Definitely, definitely looking forward to that. Let's hop into Through the Lens. Easily the most, yeah, My that's baby. your baby. It's the most, you know, recognizable <laughs> show, I think, you know, in this, this space, in this era that we're in right now. And people love it. And there's, I know there's tons of questions about you know, from how it was started to what goes into it and, and everything around that. So I guess my first question was, what inspired you to create the Through the Lens series? So when I started, I was still actually working in the store, in the Adorama store. So I was doing like a few videos, like a few reviews, that kind of stuff at that point. 
but since I, you know, my background was in more in original content, I wanted to do something different. Uh, that wasn't what you were used to, you know, watch on YouTube from a camera store. And, and I mean, Instagram was kind of like, I mean, at that point was exploding. It was like, you know, everywhere. And, and that's where, you know, photographers actually were building almost their website and brand were starting to actually go and check Instagram accounts instead of website because they wanted to promote and they were starting to pay influencer for the first time. So I was like, I mean, I have to do something with this community because there's so much like, you know, engagement and people making comments and stuff like that, which is very similar to YouTube in a way. So it was basically like the YouTube for photographer <laughs> in my mind, Instagram at that point. So I said, I got to do something. So why not? Uh, at that point, I think Chef's Table from Netflix came out. It was like the first season when I started. I said, you know, I got to do something like this for photographers. <laughs> I got to do like a day in the life type of thing where a photographer, you know, I want to see their faces because when you know a photographer, sometimes their work gets a totally different meaning mm -hmm. uh, because you know what's in the photographer's mind when he's taking those photos. So something that is maybe is just a portrait or just a landscape becomes something else. And that's something that I think Instagram couldn't give by itself. Like you couldn't, really get to know the photographer. I mean, now we, you have Instagram stories and other stuff, but at that point we didn't have that. So, so I said, okay, I gotta start doing something like this. And, um, you know, at the beginning, actually, I was the only one thinking it was a good idea <laughs> because that's not really how you sell cameras, right? <laughs> You're just doing, you know, short documentaries on people, like on photographers. But I, I push on the fact that, you know, it was important to like, do something for the community, you know, just for the sake of doing, you know, or doing something for, for, for that community, especially because at the end of the day, those are your customers. Yeah. <laughs> those are the one actually behind the cameras and stuff like that. So in the first season, uh, which is only in New York, I only shot in New York. I had no budget it was literally no budget, like zero. <laughs> so what is, so, so, so you had no budget. Do you have a team? Are you a one yeah. man team? No, it was just me with my A7S. Yes, this is getting so <laughs> exciting. Okay, so. It was just me with my A7S. And uh, I literally just, you know, went on Instagram, checked all the New York, like New York Instagram. Just like a road mic and a camera, any gimbal, anything? And I, yes, I started sending emails, said, hey, I'm thinking something like this, like Chef's Table. Do you want to try and do something together? And at that point, I think the, the, the first three were like toots. Um, was inciting and coasting. The first three guys say, "Yeah, yeah, let's do it." You know, why not? You know, thanks to them <laughs> because they, you know, they didn't know me. You know, they were like, "Yeah, why not? Let's do something like that." <laughs> and and that's where like everything started. So yes, it was just me, my backpack. I had a little Icon stabilizer at that time. I had like a twenty-eight f two and a twenty-four seventy f four. <laughs> that's it that was my kit basically oh my goodness i love and that yeah yeah uh, oh for audio i had at that point i think sony just introduced their uh, sony wireless microphone that you can actually plug on top of the on the hot shoe of the a7s and record straight into the camera so you don't need cables or other stuff like that so that's the first one that i use that's awesome so what did that yeah so you're out there by yourself what is what does your workflow look like when you when you get ready like 
you know, you're getting ready for a shoot. You're going to, you know, go down to Brooklyn to, to meet up with Steve Irby, Steve Sweatpants. And mm-hmm. what is that, you know, what does the pre-production process look like? What is like, yeah, I just, what is that? What does that all look like, that creative process? Yeah, well, at this point, I mean, I've done it so many times that it becomes like very automatic. Right. But what I do usually the early is, days, give me the, um, the, the early days when stuff wasn't that. Yeah, organized. yeah, yeah. Email via email with the photographer is basically just, you know, telling, you know, I just need a, a couple of hours of your time. Uh, if you have a like a shoot that is already like, you know, organized, I can just jump on it. My style is kind of like, you know, uh, guerrilla documentary. Uh, so I don't stage anything. I, I literally want to see you shooting and do what you do. What I always say is like, just do your thing. I'll spy on you. That's basically what I do. And then just like, you know, 30 minutes for the interview, usually average. That's what I need. I send the questions uh, via email before. So, you know, people can kind of like, you know, at least prepare or think about, you know, the answers. I usually improvise a few, and you know, questions just based on the style of the photographer. So something that is more like, you know, direct of the specific style or lifestyle that they might have. Uh, and then usually that's it. Like I literally show up if they want to do the interview first. So if they're going to do it at the end, it's up to them. Uh, usually I always try to have like a breakfast or a lunch or something before so we can actually like just chat and get to know each other. Uh, because the real secret is not to be like that kind of interview where it's formal. Like you're talking about yourself and your work and your life. So I want it to be a chat, like, a, you know, like you're chatting with your audience basically about right. you. And usually most of the time, I think that kind of like that vibe gets through, like people are not really like, you know, stuck up or, or shy. They, because at that point we already talked. So then, yeah. And then I just shoot B-roll, you know, of them doing their thing. Uh, sometimes it's 20 minutes, sometimes it's like four hours, depending on what they do. Gotcha. So guerrilla style you're running in there running gun you're capturing the moments live organically then the post-production process what does that look like are you so sometimes you may have hours and hours of footage sometimes maybe you only have an hour of footage are you editing well if i have hours and hours of footage that means that what the photographer was doing was amazing (laughs) so i couldn't stop shooting (laughs) if not in general my style i always shoot what i know i can actually use i don't i don't do i don't shoot like you know just because you know i might use it like you know if i'm recording that means that what i'm recording i can actually use it in my episode so at the end of the day i never go over i would say one hour of b-roll and one hour is like already a lot honestly (laughs) But yeah, but usually, you know, it could be 20 minutes, it could be 40 minutes, depending on uh, what the photographer is doing. Uh, Like, for example, for this last season, I went to Puerto Rico to shoot with Omar Robles. And in two days that I was there, he he planned like three different shoots with three different dancers. And and I mean, the visuals were so good. I think I ended up with like more than an hour of of B-roll. And I had to like cut out so many good shots, honestly. <laughs> but you know, that's when it happens when I think the, the bureau is so good. That, uh, but sometimes, we, you know, with Alex Stroll, the bureau was only, you know, this flight over the Glacier National Park. So uh, the entire bureau is just like, you know, aerial footage basically, which is amazing. But at the same time, it's only that, it's only that flight. Right. So it's different every time. And, you know, editing, usually I just cut the interview first. And uh, I cut it down to less than five minutes. That's usually where I want to stay with my lens. 
And, and from there, depending on what they're saying, I start putting the photos first, like their photos, and then the B-roll. Uh, I try to have like a nice, strong uh, intro, which is very important, especially on YouTube. You always have a nice and, opening uh, shot. Like you always have that, hit, yeah. like that <laughs> stunning hero shot, of, like, which is smart. You gotta, yeah, you gotta set the hook, right? Exactly, that's key on YouTube. Yeah, you gotta start strong. <laughs> and uh, you know, pick the music and that's it. That's awesome. I appreciate you giving us a little insight to your uh, to your process. So are you, t today, 2018, this is, Fourth season? Uh, this is sixth, sixth season. Jesus, dude, who are yeah. you, man? You've been slugging <laughs> away. Yeah, yeah. I still like to count. I think it's more than 80 episodes, but I don't know exactly how many yet. That is... <laughs> and this last season is actually the longest and the biggest yet because I got 17 this last season. Are, are you still a one-man team? Yeah, yeah. That is awesome. Okay. Yeah, I had some help along the way for a couple of seasons. Uh, because the social media manager at that time here at Dorama, uh, he was traveling with me, kind of like, you know, booking hotels, doing more like the logistics uh, part of it. But on the, you know, the production side, actually like shooting and everything, yeah, it's me. That's awesome. That's super inspiring. Uh, how do you, how do you pick your guests? Like, how do you go about deciding, you know, obviously it started with just who's near me <laughs> and is a decent yes exactly. <laughs> now that you guys it sounds like there's a bigger budget now and you're able to travel and, and go and link up with people in different parts of the world so how do you how do you find these these characters yeah and how do you that, qualify that them so i mean because that's important right yeah the research the research process also changed during the years but because at some point i think i was looking at, at the numbers and the big accounts just to kind of like get the show you know to more people as possible yes exactly but then i think especially after the japanese season the japan and hong kong season i definitely was looking more for vision which means that i want the photographers featuring the show to have a strong vision like you know what you're showcasing it's what they do and there are not that many people doing what they do. So it had to be a voice, basically. I'm looking for voices. So that's definitely the first thing that I look for. Um, then definitely I want them to be engaged somehow, engaged with their community. So be people that are actually active on uh, social media. Because if not, I would do like, you know, the big old school photographer that are amazing what they do. Uh, but then they're like, you know, nowhere to be found on, uh, on social media. Uh, it's still kind of like an, an Instagram-based show through the lens in general. It was born that way, so I want to keep it that way. I'm doing other shows for, you know, other type of photographers. But yeah, definitely a voice, definitely be engaged in the community. And um, and then to be honestly, like, you know, once you, you started like chatting or getting to know people, which happened to me in the last few years, there are people that you met, you know, along the way, you says, oh, I definitely want to do an episode of this guy. Because they have personality, they have you know great stories to tell. Um, so that's also how you know, like this last season, I think is one of the best one in a way that every episode has a, a totally different story, a totally different vision, and that's what I love about it. That's exciting. So you've met you've met tons of of people in this space. Have you ever? And I don't expect a name, but I know that oftentimes <laughs> you know you meet these guys, and and sometimes when you meet them in person, they're amazing people. And sometimes you meet them in person and you're just like, not a, just not a nice, not a cool dude. Like I wouldn't hang out with this guy if I had to, you know? Have you ever ran into that with anyone? 
or ran into uh, any so like just I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest here. I gotta say that at least ninety-five percent of the people that are featured through the lens are actually very nice people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean it's not that I never met, you know, like divas or people that, you know, are entitled or they feel entitled, that kind of stuff. Is that usually you get that right away via email. <laughs> So there are people that I contact via email that, you know, from the tone or the way that they, you know, responded to me, uh, you get that vibe. You get the vibe. Okay. Yes. I don't want to deal with Diva, you know, <laughs> uh, because especially through the lens, it's like, you know, I'm traveling to you. Like you do your thing. You just do like it's a regular day for mm-hmm. you. I'm basically just, you know, coming to you. So, I mean, yes. So that's why I think I got lucky. And, and I saw also like how great, you know, the world of Instagram can be because it's what this community is built upon. It's like, you know, these people connecting to each other, people that, you know, uh, didn't know each other if it wasn't for, for, you know, for Instagram. And I met, I mean, I have friends now in Tokyo, in Hong Kong, uh, in Cuba, in Europe, people that honestly I would have never met if it wasn't for, for that platform and for my job at Adorama. That's awesome. You're the, you're the international plug. You got contacts everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> none of the show. So you already said none of the show scripted. You're very documentary style. You're just capturing these people in the moment. Um, do you ever, are there ever times where maybe someone's a little shy and you kind of have to just give them a little direction? Like, oh, Hey, yeah. like, I, like, why don't you go walk down that log or <laughs> you gotta do this? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Guys, I mean, especially people at the that beginning. Are used to be, what I've realized, people that are used to being behind the camera, will oftentimes lock up the moment the camera turns on them. Absolutely. So I gotta say, a bunch of like the Instagrammers today are like are used to the camera, kind of like you know little stars <laughs> in a way. Like you know they're very well spoken and stuff like that. So some of those guys, you can just point the camera at them, and they'll go. <laughs> they'll talk and they're gonna you know nail all the you know the right you know words and all that kind of stuff um at the beginning though there were people that never showed their faces on camera like even their you know instagram profile you guys did jude allen right was not their faces no i never oh, you haven't done jude. Jude? okay jude's like one of those guys like yeah, jude's yeah. been relative like historically like a very like he's a well-known guy in the community but yeah, a lot of people have no have never seen Jude. <laughs> yeah, and like even like the first episode is inciting uh, mm-hmm. Gio. Uh, he never showed his face before that you know that episode, so it was kind of like I don't know, maybe I should do it with a mask on, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and and then it's, and then the day before it was like you know what I'll just do it, don't worry. <laughs> and that's kind of like uh, you know I started, or even like Natalie uh, Miss uh-huh. Hatton, Miss Hatton on Instagram, you know when we did the through the lens episode in season one she never did like kind of like this interview thing so she was like very shy she was kind of like laughing a lot during the interview and now she's like a superstar she's like always on camera and you know doing a bunch of like on camera you know gigs and all that kind of stuff so yeah i mean in in japan also some of the people they're not even photographer full-time they have a full-time job and photography is like a hobby but they're very good at it and some of them, you know, was kind of like being in front of the camera was very hard. Right. <laughs> you know, also from a cultural point of view, it was very hard. Uh, so sometimes I use tricks, you know, you can have them kind of like prepare some answers and, you know, try to read in a more 
casual way and then you just put like b-roll and photos over it so it doesn't you know seem that you're they're reading you know that kind of stuff gotcha uh what advice would you give to the content creators out there that are looking you know that are feeling inspired right now listening to this and want to create their own show well honestly it's like the same thing that i did with through the lens you have an idea you think is good get your camera you know it could be even the iphone if you don't have a camera it could be anything just go out and just shoot it uh, shoot it, you know, send it everywhere, you know, someone will pick up your, you know, uh, your idea, will pay you for it, or, you know, will pay you for the idea, <laughs> you know, either way, uh, your ideas can go somewhere, just don't let it like sit there on your head or on paper. Right. Let me ask you, if someone still let me ask paper. you this, if you were a freelance <laughs> guy and you just launched through the lens on your own, who would you contact? Like, you know, like who... Who do these who would who like who do these people who do these content creators even reach out to to shop the show or to try to get a little money behind it or get a budget or yeah that's the beauty of the you know today's world of marketing it could be anything <laughs> because it doesn't matter anymore like something like to the lens it could be anything from an hotel chain to a camera you know brand to a backpack brand to you know honestly it could even be like gums or <laughs> red bull could be like literally anything because brand awareness now it's on a different level so they want to reach communities so what you're bringing is your product is you know is that community is that you know type of people that are from you know 16 to 35 and and they use cameras so that's the way that you approach it. So who can actually get into this like type of, you know, uh, world? Absolutely. And I think it's really smart, like especially a company like Adorama, like shooting and being behind an awesome show like this. It also shows that the brand is part of the community and it's part of the movement rather than being on the outside of what's happening. And just, you know, so many brands are outside of what's happening and they're trying to sell to those people rather than inserting themselves into that community and letting that community know like, hey, we're here for you. Like we're, you know, we have the same values as you and we love creativity and we wanna be here to promote and get behind that. And hopefully in return, like you guys will, you know, have exactly. loyalty a win -win. to our brand and our product. It's definitely a win-win, you know, where you can actually, you know, put money and, you know, and give back to the community because we, you know, we have a bunch of like giveaways and stuff like that that we do constantly. So you give back to your community, you give content, free content to your community so they can get inspired and keep working. And at the same time, you know, your brand you know, gains from it because you know that your brand, you know, you, you, they can trust you because you know, you know what you're doing and you know what you love basically. Right, right. What business advice would you have for content creators? One thing that I've, that I've noticed a lot is, you know, I do the podcast, so I talk with, you know, all types of content creators all over the world like you do when you go and travel and, and, and film these guys. Uh, I meet a lot of these guys in person, on trips, on uh, meetups, workshops, etc. And what I've noticed is there's oftentimes large guys with 300,000 followers that can, you know, they barely have lunch money. <laughs> and then there's guys like you that may only have 10,000 followers or 5,000 followers. And these guys are full-time making good money you know, have a career and, you know, outside of the Instagram, in the Instagram world, they may be considered like a small fish, but it's in the real world. It's like they're doing real things and, and making money. And then there's often guys that are inside the Instagram world, big time stars, but 
they're not necessarily capitalizing on that and not necessarily able to turn that into a career or, or turn that into income. Yeah, absolutely. Also, because, I mean, for me, it's different in a way that I was doing this job before, you know, Instagram and social media. So I would suck at anything else. <laughs> but it's cool. You so pitched your company on an idea that, that and other do. people could do that if they're hired by a company. But yeah, no, I mean, real talk, real talk would be you got to get your work out there. And you got to make sure that your work is good and because you're competing with other people. So you want your work to be good. And the way to be good is not just that you need to have the best gear, but is that you have a voice. Because if your client you know, knows the difference between someone that is, knows how to tell a story in the right way, you know, they can have the money to rent the gear that you want. You know what I mean? So you can put in your budget so you don't have to own it but you need to tell the story in the right way. So that means that if you have an idea, go use your money, rent something good, shoot it at the best way that you can, you know, seek for help. If you don't know on a technical level how to do it, you know, hire a DP, hire someone that can actually get your vision in the right way. And then you're going to have a reel. Then you're going to have something good that you can show. So when you go to a client and say, you know, I can do this thing. Are you interested? Like in my voice? And that's the, you know, that's the right way to do it. Uh, and then once you start getting some money, you know, go and get the, the right gear. Uh, the right gear is not the most expensive one. The right gear is the one that is good to express your voice. <laughs> you know, the right gear could be a small GoPro, could be like, you know, it doesn't have to be like an Ari on a, on a red, uh, you know, camera for $25,000. You know what I mean? Like, I don't hold those. <laughs> you know, actually, that's why I, you know, I actually... I was happy when like the first A7S came out, you know, something small and lightweight that is affordable that I can actually shoot, you know, high quality video right. with. I was like, you know, yes, that's where I was like in my, <laughs> in my zone every time that I, you know, had that camera on for sure. What, what are you shooting this latest series on? The last season, it's all on the R3, which is now my new you know, main camera busy. That's, that's awesome to hear because you're still, I love, you're still shooting on cameras that are still accessible by so many people. So many people already own those cameras. So it's, yeah. and I think young creators, especially, uh, I think they get gear paralysis and they think, you know, they, they see a show that you create and they just assume, well, oh, he must have the best of the best gear and all these jibs and dollies. And, <laughs> no. uh, so I think it's inspiring yeah, yeah. for them to that. Many people. <laughs> Many people ask me that. It says, oh, wait, but you work at Rama, so why don't you shoot with, like, red cameras? And I was like, yes, I can shoot with red cameras. The problem is that, you know, once I put the red camera and I put the lenses and I put all the batteries and I put the stuff, I will need, you know, a, a, a trolley bag to travel around. And everything I do is backpack. Like, you know, sometimes I'm, like, climbing mountains or I'm in a, in a, in a small plane. I don't know what I, I'm, I'm going to get, basically. So I need something that is like portable and I know that I can trust. So that's why I don't shoot with like, you know, the, the high end, super expensive cameras. I know that, you know, with this little, you know, compact um, setup, I shoot, I can shoot basically anything and I'm ready for anything. I can put on gimbal and follow people running. Uh, you know, I have a drone in my backpack as well. So it's all in one backpack. And I need to be ready for any type of content, basically. If I shoot Red or Alexa, I can't do that. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't fit well with that guerrilla documentary style of filmmaking. It's just a lot of added work. 
yeah, I mean, I love it. Of course, I love yeah. red cameras. Uh, but at the same time, for what I do, this is the best setup. So what are the big goals for your creative career, Sal? Well, I mean, honestly, I've been lucky. I think that I keep doing what I love in general. Uh, like, you know, traveling and meeting new people, it's, it's, it's a blessing, honestly, uh, especially in this field. It, it's amazing. And Adorama keeps like letting me do new things like you know this round table that is going live i have a new show that is going to be called uh, my travel diary um which i already shot in kenya in july and it's gonna go live i think in the winter so you know if i can keep doing this fingers crossed it's amazing at the same time of course i kind of miss a little bit of uh, the more um, fiction type of stuff mm -hmm. You know, I used to do like, you know, short movies and stuff like that. So at some point, maybe I want to go back to that for a little bit. But in general, like documentaries is giving me a lot of like, you know, satisfaction in general. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe, maybe you'll, you'll hit the next Game of Thrones at some point down the line in your career. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's exciting, man. With all that said, I normally like to end the AOV podcast with you just kind of leaving the community with some type of inspiration it can be anything you can talk about anything you want to talk about but the goal is really just to leave the community with one last piece of of uh <laughs> of bacon man something good yeah i mean on top of my head the most important thing uh, i met so many creators content creators artists photographers at this point and uh, you know the market is definitely saturated there's always going to be someone that it's like, you know, better than you for on a technical level or has more access to to gear or to better location that you don't have. Honestly, what is the most important thing is just find your voice. Like your voice is going to be definitely different from other people's voice. So once you look for that, you know, for your style, something that is unique to you, then you can actually, you know, sell yourself as a brand or actually do what you love and be, you know, or fully paid to do what you love because you got something that nobody else has because now everybody else has the same mirrorless or DSLR camera. <laughs> so, you know, what, you know, will set you apart is your voice. Sal Dalia, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, brother. Appreciate that. That was awesome. And one last time, thank you to our sponsors over at Holdfast Gear. And if you happen to be in the market for a new camera strap, bag, or duffel, make sure to go to holdfastgear.com and check out their selection of quality, handcrafted products.